You're listening to the Martin Luther Sermon Podcast, and this is Martin Luther's sermon on John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16, preached on the second Sunday after Easter, Misericordia's Domini, otherwise known as Good Shepherd Sunday. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. For more information about the Luther Sermon Podcast or to hear more Luther sermons, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. This sermon is from Luther's House Postal, reading from a translation published by J.A. Schulze, publisher in Columbus, Ohio in 1884, a text and translation that is in the public domain. First, the Gospel reading, John 10, verses 11 to 16. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and he scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep." And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Luther's Sermon This gospel, like other works of Christ, may be considered in two aspects, as teaching first, faith, and secondly, love. To our faith, the fact is presented that Christ is the shepherd, the only one who lays down his life for the sheep. No human being, no saint, no angel could accomplish the great work of redeeming fallen man whom the devil, through the sin committed in paradise, hath hurled into death. Christ alone could be this redeemer through his death. This was the shepherd's proper work, which no one else can imitate, as little as any other of his works done for our salvation can be equaled. No one can therefore appropriate to himself the words of Christ here uses, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. With these words he would teach us to trust him, to regard the suffering of all the saints as naught when compared with his sufferings in our behalf. Moses, the prophets, and the apostles were eminent men, true and watchful shepherds and rulers among the people of God, They taught and preached aright what it behooved men to believe and to do. They also suffered much on that account, the most of them even dying the martyr's death. Yet, notwithstanding all this, they can in no wise be compared with Christ. He is the only begotten of the Father, the Lord of glory, the true and only shepherd over all, who from the foundation of the world spake through the patriarchs and the prophets, and in the fullness of time became man revealing his father's will. He indeed laid down his life for the sheep. For all who believe in him, who trust in him in life and in death, assured that in him there is redemption from the power of the devil who held the whole human race in bondage of sin and death. He also established an everlasting church throughout the world and keeps it through his word, continually increasing her boundaries, that his name may be hallowed and worshipped and confessed. To this end he gave to the church his Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who protects her by power divine against the wrath, fury, and murderous assaults of the devil and his servants. And though very many lose their life as martyrs of the faith and confession now, 
yet will they, in the great day of resurrection, be brought by him into life eternal with all the elect, where there is an expressible joy and happiness unalloyed, and this to the utter confusion and everlasting shame of his enemies and theirs. All this no angel can accomplish, much less a man, though he be a patriarch, a prophet, or an apostle. Moses, all the prophets, the apostles, and other faithful shepherds, when they had finished their preaching and had performed their duties well, passed away in death. Christ, however, is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore he is a different shepherd from all others who have watched the fold of Christ. These may indeed have faithfully guarded the flock entrusted to them, and may have fed their sheep on the true word of God, directing them to Christ as the great shepherd of souls. Nor did they flee and leave their flocks unprotected when the wolf was seen approaching, but bravely met him, defending their herds when necessary even at sacrifice of their own lives. Yet with all this devotion to their sheep, their shepherds could not take away from them their sins, nor free them from death. Christ, the great shepherd, alone could and did do this through his own death. Others might indeed lay down their life as a testimony to the truth of the word which they preached and to confirm their people in the pure doctrine which they taught from God's word, but more they could not accomplish thereby. Of this more later. Even if we have nothing to fear from the enemies of God's word, if we preach it in its purity or refuse to hear the voice of a stranger, if our body and life is secure from persecution and murder, yet it behooves us to take good heed against the most dangerous wolf, the devil, that he may not pounce upon us and tear us to pieces in a much more dreadful manner than earthly tyrants do, who indeed can slay the body but are not able to injure the soul. To escape this wolf, we dare not depend upon our holy life, upon our good works and righteousness, not even upon the fulfillment of the law of God. The law is of no avail in this regard. It even causes us sorrow by accusing us in our conscience of our faithlessness and many shortcomings in the sight of a of the Lord our God. It shows us our disobedience, our want of love and confidence, thus pronouncing against us the sentence of eternal damnation. Much less will our vows, our chastity, our penances, and whatever other works we might do avail us anything. They are works of our own choosing, often contrary to the word and will of God. Therefore we cannot rely upon them. We must absolutely dispense with all self-made consolation and learn to depend entirely in unshaken faith upon him who says in our text, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He does not flee before the wolf. He would rather die under the teeth of the wolf than suffer him to destroy even the smallest of the flock. Hence we ought to rely on him in this great danger and seek alone his mighty defense. We must have faith to do this. We can do nothing of ourselves in this regard. Christ has done all and does all for us and commands us to accept his merits on our behalf with true unwavering faith. The other lesson is the example of our great shepherd is set before us for our imitation, as St. Peter writes, 1 Peter 2, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Of this doctrine, 
pertaining to faith more directly, he makes an application to our daily life and says the practice of love towards others when he says in the same chapter, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. As Christ died for us to save us from death and condemnation by his own sacrifice, without any price paid by ourselves, thus it behooves us to serve one another, regardless of pain and sacrifice. Thus the example of Christ is followed, and thus every Christian becomes a good shepherd. If I cannot by my death rescue others from damnation and sin, for as we have seen above, Christ the great shepherd can alone do this, I can nevertheless set others a bright example of the power of faith even in death, so that they may come to Jesus and learn to know him as their Savior. The world and the devil certainly are deadly enemies of the gospel, and so is the Pope, who exerts all his power to crush the efficacy of the word. Hence, faithful shepherds must be prepared for persecutions and be ready, if necessary, to lay down their life in defense of the truth. Pious, faithful pastors are needed, who are sure of their redemption in Jesus Christ and are ready to follow the example given by him, even to die for their flock and to lay their heads on the block as martyrs of the word. Such a devotion to truth saves not others, it is true, for salvation comes alone by the death of Christ, but it serves to confirm the faith of the brethren. Thus, God is glorified in my death, and my brother is strengthened in his faith by my blood, though it has no saving power. Salvation can come only through the death of the true shepherd, Jesus Christ, as we have repeatedly stated. In this connection, we must not forget that false teachers and tyrants who persecute the pure doctrine and condemn it are called wolves. A true Christian, however, will not be frightened when the wolf comes, nor will he permit his neighbor to be deprived of the word and true knowledge of Jesus. He would rather lay down his life than to have others deprived of these blessings, as the apostles and the martyrs did, who did not flee from the wolf but resisted him to the last. So it should still be. He who wishes to be a minister of the gospel must have his whole heart in the calling, earnestly desirous of the glory of God and the welfare of his fellow man. If this is not the only aim one has in this holy office, if he looks to external gain or loss, he is simply not fit to be a minister of Christ. He is either a coward, who disgracefully flies when the wolf comes, leaving the sheep unprotected at the mercy of the enemy, as our Lord says, a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. Or he is afraid boldly to speak the truth and suffers the flock to wander away from the good pasture without preaching to them the word of God. They who preach for outward gain for money and are not content with their daily bread, which God kindly gives, are nothing but hirelings. We preachers must be satisfied if we have an adequate support. If we long for more, we are hirelings who care not for their flocks. A true shepherd will sacrifice all, even his life, for the welfare of those entrusted to his care. This example of the good shepherd is, however, not merely given for those who are in the office of the ministry, but for all Christians. It is a duty pertaining to all to make a bold confession of their faith and rather to die than to abjure the word and to commit idolatry. They know that if they must yield up their life on earth, they have a good shepherd, through whose death for them they shall live forevermore. Christ continues his discourse by speaking of his sheep, distinguishing them from others. He points out his truth as distinct from all heresy, 
and all other doctrines, saying, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The meaning of these words is, If you wish to be my sheep, all depends upon your really knowing me, your shepherd. No harm can befall you then. It is therefore an urgent duty of every true preacher of the gospel to preach Christ and him alone, so that people may learn to know him as to his person and his blessings, keeping his word and honoring him alone as the good shepherd who laid down his life for them. To impress this truth upon the hearts of the people, to present to them their shepherd, is an imperative duty of every Christian minister. Then we must also urge the example presented, that as Christ willingly gave himself up and suffered for us, so we ought to be ready to endure and suffer every ill and persecution for the word's sake. Both these points we must preach to our people. Whoever hears and practices these lessons is a sheep in the fold of Christ, for he has said, My sheep hear my voice. If we preach and teach this truth, we are good shepherds, though we cannot die for the sheep as Christ did. Those persons who will not hear this preaching, or who as preachers will not proclaim it to their flock, are not good shepherds, but even the best of them are hirelings and ravenous wolves. Such preachers ought not to be indulged. We ought to avoid them like the very devil. Yet the Pope is just such an one. He teaches falsely and denies that Christ is the only good shepherd who can save from death. When he directs people to their own shepherds to flee from the wolf by virtue of their own good works, thus they preach in the Pope's church the necessity of the mass of pilgrimages, of monastic practices, and the like. If we are to be true Christians, we must heed the word of Christ, even as a sheep heeds the words of its shepherd, while it disregards the language of a stranger. We therefore say to the Pope and his preachers, We know not your voice. You are wolves intent on our destruction. Depart and hush your howlings. We follow only the voice of our good shepherd. Christ says, They shall hear my voice. And again, A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. It is impossible that a sheep which has heard and understood the voice of the good shepherd, and in whose heart faith has found an abiding place, should yet heed a doctrine which is contrary to the words of Christ. We indeed heed the laws of kings and princes, the regulations of municipalities and the like, because they pertain only to this temporal life. They have nothing to do with our salvation. For no compliance with the laws and regulations of this world can bring us into life eternal. If therefore any preacher comes, not as an official of the powers of this world, but professedly in the name of God, and tells us that we must do penance for our sins, and that we can be saved by means of the Mass, by doing charitable works, etc., we answer him, Thou art a cheat. We know not thy voice. It sounds like the voice of a wolf. Experience has taught that a sheep is gifted by nature above other animals with a most acute distinction of sounds. Among ten thousand people it recognizes its shepherd by the sound of his voice and follows him. And if ten thousand sheep are collected in one flock and all the ewes are bleeding, each little lamb knows the voice of its mother and runs to meet her. Christ, no doubt, has reference in our gospel to this peculiarity. He would say, I also have such lambs. I am their shepherd, and they are able to distinguish my voice and to follow it. Nor will they obey if another voice calls them. 
If we, therefore, desire to be his sheep, we must have this sure faculty of hearing and must be able to distinguish his voice from every other, however pleasant, clear, and friendly this may be. We should therefore learn from this gospel and earnestly endeavor to practice it, that we must hear the word of God and be firmly grounded in it against the allurements of the devil, who is an unceasing tempter to everything evil, and who is ever prepared to lead us to destruction and against every form of false doctrine. The wolf is full of cunning. If he cannot overcome you with false doctrine, he will try to do so by instilling wicked thoughts into your heart. Then is the proper time for us to say, I heed not this voice. It is that of the wolf and not that of my shepherd. My shepherd's voice tells me, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. But thou, wolf, wouldst fain induce me to fear him and to run away from him. If we can meet the enemy with such determination, we will succeed in expelling him from our presence. Yea, the devil will then desist from oppressing our hearts and from the attempt to lead us astray. He will not succeed in making us afraid or despondent. If we thus become thoroughly acquainted with the voice of our good shepherd, if we can distinguish him by it among a thousand, we will then know him well, and he in return will know and love us. How indeed could he be our enemy who gave his own life that we might live forever and who rescues us from sin, death, and every evil? No other voice but his will give us such comfort. Therefore we must heed it well. These expressions of Christ in our text are still further so cheering and conciliatory because he calls himself a shepherd and us, who have and hear his word, his sheep. No Christian can now reasonably complain that he is forsaken. It may be that one is in need of money and earthly property, another may be deprived of health, and a third may want something else, so that it might appear that we were in the midst of wolves and without a shepherd, as Christ also says, Behold, I send you as sheep into the midst of wolves. We can see it with our own eyes every day of our life, how the Christian church is in the condition of a sheep which the wolf has seized by its fleece and which he is about to devour. It may seem sometimes as if we were without a shepherd, but thus it must be, else we would not seek our only comfort in our true shepherd's reed, which sounds so invitingly when Christ says, My sheep know my voice. If we obey this voice and follow it, we can then truly say that we know our shepherd and that we are known of him. Nor can the devil injure him who heeds and follows the word of the good shepherd. No matter what may betide our person under the providence of God or our possessions or our household, we will ever hear the voice of our shepherd who cheers us with these words, Ye are my dearly purchased flock who know my voice and who I am. I will not forget you. Such recognition has its foundation in the word and faith. On none other can it rest. Therefore Christ declares, I know them even as the Father knoweth me, and I the Father. When Christ, the Son of God, yet walked on earth, it often seemed as if he was entirely in the power of the devil and his imps, so that they could practice upon him all their malicious pranks and pleasure. God had apparently deserted him. But when Christ, in great agony, exclaims, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When he died upon the cross and was buried, and the devil really thought that Christ had no God, then it was manifest that the Father knew him well, for he leads forth his Son from death and hell. Even so, Christ declares, Shall it be with you, my sheep? Be not confounded, though it seems at first as if I knew you not. 
A Christian must, while yet on earth, endure many misfortunes, sorrows, sins, and all kinds of miseries, as though there were no difference between him and the wicked. His life and death outwardly viewed have nothing peculiar. It even seems, now and then, that God leads the Christian through much severer trials than if he were a heathen. He certainly has more conflicts with temptations and other tribulations of the soul. But be not disconcerted thereby. Remember what thy shepherd has said. I know my sheep. Ah, say the devil in our unhallowed reason, why do we fare so badly if we are sheep of Christ's fold? We answer, it is nevertheless a fact that he knows us, nor will we waver in this faith, though death and misfortune visit us. We know his voice and hear it plainly, declaring unto us in the tones of a shepherd to his lambs, I am your shepherd who laid down his life for you. These words we hear and believe, and thereby have certain proof that we know him and are known of him. Nor shall our experience in life change this conviction. Troubles here on earth are but temporal, but his word assures us of life eternal. What matters it if we must die, just like those who believe not in Christ? The voice of our shepherd comes to our ears in the most friendly tones with the assurance, Whoever believeth in me shall never die. And again, I lay down my life for the sheep. On account of these declarations, we are fully convinced that our shepherd, Jesus Christ, knows us and that we are safe in his care. This recognition, however, does not yet become manifest so that faith may be exercised, for if by the means of baptism we are entirely exempt from impurity and death, we would have no need of the word nor of faith. But because the word still remains, it must be accepted in faith, and not by experience, until that final day when faith shall cause, shall cease, and everything shall be seen and experienced. Beyond all doubt, man becomes, through baptism, pure and beautiful before God, even as the Son itself. No sin remains in him. He is fully justified, as Christ said, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. This, however, is not perceptible to the eye, but it is true according to the word and ordination of Christ. It is therefore all important that we exercise implicit faith in the word, that we do not in the least deviate from it, convinced that in the life to come all that we now hear through the word and believe will be manifest in the bliss of eternal life. As this life and the life after death are essentially different, it is impossible fully to experience here on earth what we shall feel and understand hereafter. It therefore exceeds our skill to distinguish beyond all mistake a Christian from other men, who indeed can assert that he has eternal life. And yet we must declare it as a simple fact that a child, which by nature is oppressed with death, sin, and other ills, which show naught of eternal life, begins eternal life at the time of its baptism. How is this possible? No change is perceptible, indeed, in the mode of life, Yet God has substituted for the former life of sin and corruption and eternal life, beginning already in this world, and this new life is a reality according to the word and to faith, though we neither see nor feel it now. Consequently, if we wish to know who is a Christian, we must not judge by the outward appearance, but by the word. A sheep lives because it hears the voice of its shepherd, for surely as soon as it disregards the voice it will go astray and become a prey to wolves. The only safety is in the neighborhood of the shepherd. Therefore that sheep which hears the shepherd's voice is secure, just so the Christian. If he does not hear the word of Christ, he has no consolation. 
If he faithfully heeds this word, he has everything that Christ achieved for him, forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Then he will be filled with hope and joy every day of his life. In the midst of his labors and in the performance of his daily duties, while he eats and drinks and works, yes, even while he suffers pains which are also ordained of God, he realizes that he is a sheep in the fold of Jesus. To his voice he listens and judges his life not according to what he sees and feels, but according to the word of Christ, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let us learn this lesson and accustom ourselves to accept calmly the fact that Christians must yet suffer and die like other men. It is true Christian wisdom and a precious acquirement if we can say, in the outward daily life and experiences of men we see no difference between Christians and unbelievers, unless it be this, that the faithful often endure much more sorrow and misfortune than the others, Yet we know that a great difference exists between them in their relation to the word so that the Christian is distinguishable from the infidel not by his features nor even by his apparent piety but by his having and hearing the voice of his shepherd. Heathens, Turks, Jews, hypocrites, and false Christians who purpose to earn their salvation by their own good works do not hear nor heed this voice nor do the tyrants and the unchristian Epicurean multitude, nor the Pope with his sycophants, know the shepherd's call, which is heard and understood alone by the lamb and sheep of the fold of Jesus. Otherwise, in external experience and temporal avocations, there is no difference. The meaning of the words of Christ, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also must I bring, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd, became evident on the day of Pentecost when the gospel began to be preached by the apostles to all the world. This gospel still continues its conquests through the world, but we must not expect all men to accept its teaching and to be saved. This will never happen. The devil prevents it. The world is opposed to the word and refuses to be admonished. Therefore, various beliefs and religions will continue to exist. One fold and one shepherd simply means that God will, for Christ's sake, Receive all his dear children, whether they were Jews or Gentiles, who believed the gospel. The only true religion is to follow this shepherd and to hear his voice. May our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the only and true shepherd and bishop of our souls, together with the Father and the Holy Ghost, grant us this faith, unto whom be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. This has been Martin Luther's sermon on the text, John chapter 10, verses 11 to 16, preached on Misericordius Domini, Good Shepherd Sunday, the second Sunday after Easter, the third Sunday in the season of Easter. And you are listening to the Luther Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Thanks for listening. And to hear more Luther sermons or to find out more about the Luther Sermon Podcast, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org.